Take our text this evening from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And we'll also read uh, the 13th verse, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, the prisoner of the I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The 13th verse. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We really appreciate unity. We're thankful for that. As I sat in this service here and listening to the specials in particular, I realized that there is unity there. There's wonderful unity there. And they're not in unity because they're singing unison. They're in unity because they have perfect harmony. I think it's perfect harmony. They just sound wonderful together, each singing their part. But there is a dictionary definition to unity. I thought I would share uh, just two short of those definitions. Unity is being together or at one with someone or something. Unity is being at one with an individual or a group of individuals. Unity is being at one with something. And it could be anything as far as the world is concerned. And it's helpful for people to be in unity with those in their workplace, with the ideas and the thoughts and the protocols established by management at work as to how they should conduct themselves. When people are in unity in those situations, things go very well. Unity is an unbroken completeness, the dictionary says. And then I saw something kind of interesting. It's really simple. I like simple. In mathematics, unity has a numerical value, and that is number one. That value is number one. That makes sense. Unity is being in one, as we've already discussed. I've learned that unity is not unanimity, always agreeing with each other about everything. Unity is not uniformity, being exactly like one another. There are very noticeable differences, obviously, physically, personality-wise. People are different with creativity. People are different culturally. 
Those differences are just a few of the many, many differences. Paul the Apostle, in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, he writes about married life. And unity is important in marriage. Perhaps in our home, there is, it is the most important thing to have unity in marriage. And it makes for a good example, too, a good illustration. I personally know, and I'm sure you married people do, too, would be in agreement that uh, there are many differences between the husband and the wife, and I'm not talking physically. There are differences that lead to disagreements between a husband and a wife, different opinions, different ideas, different ways of doing things, different ways of accomplishing what needs to be done. And the subject matter is vast, could have to do with the children, have to do with how to run the household, the budget, how to do maintenance around the home, ideas for the yard, even dinner. Unity is relevant at times in all of those situations, and it can lead to disagreements, right, between husband and wife. But we've also learned that if we have a deep love and devotion for each other, that is more meaningful, way more meaningful than any disagreement or problem that may come along. And we can be unified because of that love in spite of a small little disagreement. One of the blessings that God has given me, and perhaps you too, is is being older and being able to look back and remember when you were younger. And I have a lot of good memories. I have some bad memories because I did some foolish things when I was younger. But thank the Lord, He, God saved me and made a change in my life and, and gave me a new direction. But I can think back to times, and I, I don't have all pleasant memories, but I don't forget to thank God for even the bad memories because I've learned from those. I thank God for the good ones, too, for bringing me through the, the difficult times in my life, the trials and the tribulations, those dark times. And I'm thankful that there was unity between me and the Lord, and at least in this sense, is that I could look to Him and I could pray and I could believe in my heart that He would be there to help me. That's an important unity to have. I remember back when I was dating my wife. I mentioned the examples and illustrations there. My wife and I had been dating for a little while, and we started to talk about marriage. And there's a lot that I've forgotten, but I still remember this. She asked me if I enjoyed traveling. I told her I loved to travel. I still remember that. And we were both 19 years of age. And by that time, my wife had lived out of the country as a foreign exchange student while she was in high school. And a couple other times, she had 
traveled internationally. On the other hand, by that age, at 19, I had been to Lincoln City, Oregon a few times. I'd been to youth camp up in Mossy Rock, Washington several times. But one of the favorite places that I liked to go was to a little community back in central Oregon, Mitchell, Oregon. Me and my brothers and sometimes some friends, and we would load up our dirt bikes and we'd go to Mitchell and we would go camping and ride the trails and the hills around there. Mitchell is about three and a half hour drive east of Portland on Highway 26. The population is less than 200 people. Not a lot going on there. And that was kind of appealing, actually, even to me as a teenager. I remember one time we stopped at the, a little store there in town, and we were hungry. We wanted to get something to eat. And, and, and I noticed that the, uh, the hostess Twinkies and cupcakes, the, the dates had expired on them. I said, hey, look at, look at this, these dates. They expired months ago. And he said, I'll sell them to you for 50% off. I said, what a deal. I, I took them. Still remember that. Got them for half price. Shortly after my wife and I were married, we went camping back in that area. And, and um, I'll be honest, I just imagined getting my new bride a little Honda trail bike. And, and we would have many happy trails together. I, I was really wrong about that. Uh, we weren't in, in unity on that particular issue. Over the subsequent years to follow, I learned that my wife would rather travel to Madrid rather than to Mitchell. And I've also learned a few things about travel, and I'm just going to say that I'd, I'd rather go to Madrid too than to Mitchell, Oregon at this time. In this passage of Scripture here that uh, we've read, we as believers are instructed to keep the unity that God has given us. And we have some good advice in these few verses. Verse 2 gives us some good advice on how to accomplish that with God helping us. We need God's help with this. It says, with all lowliness, we approach the subject of unity with our brother and sister, with all lowliness, an attitude of humility. And when humility is practiced, it makes for a more harmonious environment. I'm sure you've noticed that. I have. Humility prefers our brother and sister above us. Humility will listen first And this might be the hardest one. Humility appreciates criticism before answering back. It says, with meekness. Approach unity with meekness in mind. And meekness is uh, not timidity. Meekness is not weakness. We read in the Old Testament where Moses was a, a meek man. And yet when he was confronted many times when people weren't happy with the current situation, often Moses just went to the Lord in prayer. And he sought God's help, and and God would help him through those times. Meekness uh, will be an asset to us. 
a humble willingness to serve God and others with meekness. It says with long suffering, which is patience. Now, this is the opposite of a short temper. It's like a long temper or not getting angry at all. We read in Ephesians 4.26 that says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Good words. There's a quote by a woman named Phyllis Diller, who was a comedian in my parents' generation. And she once said, Never go to bed mad. Stay up and fight. And I think, and I'm afraid that's what a lot of people do. But the Bible tells us to stay up and work out the problems and the issues uh, that are bothering us and that are causing us to be angry and upset. Stay up and work out our differences. It doesn't do any good to, to sweep the problems under the rug. Like sweeping dirt under the rug. It just is there and eventually needs to be cleaned out. It doesn't do us any good to go on being angry and having a, a, a lost unity. It doesn't do us any good to be like that about unresolved issues when all it takes is get together and resolve the situation. God will help us do that. We also read over in James that the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. We want to be in a position spiritually to always promote God's righteousness in our own lives and for the benefit of others that they may see that God is at work in our life and we'll give God the praise for that. When we are angry and we have unresolved differences and we let it show, people notice that too. And it's not a good thing for them to see that. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, it says. We want to be helpful in promoting God's righteousness. And here it says, forbearing one another in love. Difficult times can make it difficult to love one another. Difficult times can make it difficult to deal with other people. But here the word says that we should be forbearing, considerate, kind, and loving to fellow believers in time of difficulty. Verse 3 says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It takes work and effort. We need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have to take responsibility personally. I remember having an employer and a manager at work one time. He always brought up the fact at unit meetings that we need to take personal responsibility for our work. Take ownership of that. I believe that's what the God's word is telling us here, to take ownership and be endeavor with all of our might to be obedient to God's word. It's worth the effort, and God will bless us when we do that. God has blessed us with true unity, real unity, something that the world doesn't have. We are thankful for that. We want to endeavor to keep that. 
just repeat again some of the things in the opening. We are one body of believers, the word says. One body. We only have one body of believers. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about how a man should love his wife as he loves his own body and takes care of himself, right? We need to take care of each other. We have one body. We need to take good care of that. It says that there is one spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, our guide. The Holy Spirit fills the sanctified heart with power for service. One spirit, one body. There is one hope. What a glorious hope we have. Looking forward to that appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One hope God has given us. One body, one Holy Spirit, one hope. There is one Lord and one faith. That one faith that's been given to the saints. We read about that in Jude, the third verse. One faith. Do we cherish that? Are we in unity there with that? There is one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I want you to think about a question. Does God value unity? As we read these few verses here, yes, God values unity. And he's blessed us with a wonderful faith. The wonderful experience of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And these bring about a wonderful unity in the body of Christ. And verse 13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God has something in mind. God has a plan for us till we all come. We're going to get there someday, perhaps someday soon, till we all come in the unity of the faith. I think about how unity with the Lord begins. It begins with a repentant heart. It begins with confessing our sin to God. It begins with a desire to turn our back on the world and on the sin that has made a wreck sometimes, and made a wreck in our heart and in our life. When we confess our sin and we pray with a repentant heart, God saves us. And we are at unity at that point in time with our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Unity with God begins with salvation. I'm thankful that God will save the sinner tonight. If you're not saved, just look to the Lord. Repent of your sin. Turn your back on this old world. It has nothing to offer you that will last through eternity like salvation will. We will have a close the meeting and have a time to pray. Song number 551.